Likuti Sichas Chelik Yudalit, Volume 14, Second Sicha for Parshas Hazinu. This Sicha is a pilpul, an in-depth analysis about the concept of making Birches HaToyra every day, and specifically how women are obligated in that mitzvah. In other words, what's their role in Birches HaToyra and making the bracha every day on learning on learning of Torah. Um, another point I want to point out is um, that this sicha is almost like a sequel to a sicha which we've already learned, the one that discusses at length the role of the woman in the mitzvah, in the obligation of learning Torah, and that is the sicha for Parshas Ekev, which in fact, these two sichas, the one that was published in Parshas Ekev and the one that's here in Parshas Hazinu, were actually delivered by the Rebbe the same two Fabrengans. Remember, Likuti Sichos is exactly what its names presents it to be. Likut. It's a compilation. So sometimes you can have in one Sicha various points on the same topic even that were later extrapolated and published in two separate essays or even more. Let's go into the Sicha. We're not going to be able to do it inside as it's quite a long Sicha. But it's actually a very interesting one and will cover some very interesting ideas and concepts in day-to-day life, both of men and women. The Gemara says on a Pasik in this week's Parsha, in Parsha Sazinu, the Pasik says, Ki Hashem Ekra, for when I call out Hashem's name, Hovu Goidel you should give Goidel, means you should speak about the greatness of Hashem, you should give praise to Hashem. So the Gemara says that this is the act, this is the source in the Torah where we know that when one is going to call the name of Hashem, Mikra, one is going to learn Torah, one has an obligation to first make a bracha. And according to many opinions, the bracha we make on the Torah is actually midu uraisa. It's a biblical obligation. We're not going to get into the technicalities of it. There are many, many very interesting footnotes in the Sicha, but that's the prevailing opinion, at least according to some of the Paiskin. So the Rebbe points out that the fact that you need to have a limud, you have a special source, and specifically here, that it's a source in the Torah for this obligation, namely of making the bracha on the study of Torah, that tells us that this is in a separate, totally different category of the typical birchois hamitzvahs, the typical obligation we have to make a bracha prior to the performance of a mitzvah. And in fact, we also can see it in the bracha itself. In the morning, we make actually several brachas. Based on the Gemara, we make several brachas to introduce the day's Torah learning. First bracha we make is So you hear the typical ring of a bracha that prefaces every mitzvah. Every mitzvah. Right? It has to do being the mitzvah. That's the mitzvah aspect. But then later, we make another bracha. And that is the same bracha that is recited by anyone that gets called up to the Torah and now has to make a special bracha on that Torah reading, on that Torah learning. What is the bracha? So you see from this that this is not a bracha on the mitzvah aspect of learning Torah, but on the very idea that the Torah was given to us, on the uniqueness, on this special thing that we have 
named Torah, the fact that Hashem gave it to us. And actually, this also seems to be what the Alter Rebbe says when he describes and explains the bracha of the Torah. He actually says that a person should see to it that he should bless Hashem with great joy for having given us the Torah. Why? Because this is something that was so dear and so special to Hashem as described in the Medrash in so many, in various different places, and yet Hashem gave it to us. Okay, so it's like almost like when we get to enjoy something, almost in a sense, like birches hananin. You eat something sweet, you eat something special, you smell something good, you're supposed to make a bracha, right? Because you're enjoying it. Here too, we're having pleasure. We're enjoying the fact that Hashem shared this special treasure of His with us. Then the Alter Rebbe continues and he says, then in regards to the woman's obligation in making Torah, in making a bracha on limada Torah, on learning the Torah, they are obligated as just like men are obligated to make a bracha on the Torah. Why? Because they have their obligation in learning Torah, the obligation that they have is because of the mitzvahs that they have to do. And in order to f- properly perform the mitzvahs, they need to know what to do and how to do it. And therefore, they now have an obligation to learn Torah. Thus, they're also obligated in, in um, making the brach on the Torah. But the Rebbe asks a question. And the question goes as follows. You see... The Gemara, what did the Gemara say? That the reason why we make a bracha on the Torah, why do you make it? Because the Pasuk tells us when you're learning Torah, and like the Alter Rebbe explains, when you're enjoying Hashem's special treasure, you need to thank Hashem for that. You have to acknowledge and express your appreciation of the fact that Hashem shared it with you. So why then does the Alter Rebbe have to make the point that the reason why women are obligated in the Birchus of Torah is because they have an obligation to learn Torah. Regardless of that obligation, whenever they learn Torah, they should be required to make a bracha due to the fact that this is something special and this is something unique that Hashem shared with us. What does it have to do with their obligation of knowing all the rules and laws for their mitzvahs? So in order to understand this, the Rebbe introduces a... Another question. Sometimes to answer one question, you introduce another question. And the Rebbe asks the question as follows. It would seem, it would seem at least, that there shouldn't be a set time for Birch Remember, we make Birch first thing in the morning. Before we start the day, we thank Hashem for giving us life. We thank Hashem for opening our eyes, yada, yada, yada. And then we make Birch That's how we begin our day. Correct? And you can't learn any Torah before that. It would seem that it would make sense that when one is learning Torah, one should make a bracha on the Torah. Or perhaps, that I have a suggestion in a different way. Perhaps one should make a bracha on this special gift that Hashem shared with us once in a lifetime, or maybe once in a year. Let's say like we read Parsha Zohar, which is an obligation. It's a continuous obligation. Once a year takes care of business. Why then do we have to Start the day, before we start learning, why every single day do we make a bracha on the Torah? Why is it? Okay? What is the reason that we have to make every day a bracha on the Torah? Now, the Alter Rebbe writes 
that according to, there are two opinions, in fact, of how long this bracha endures. Meaning, you make the bracha in the beginning of the day, and perhaps you're not going to be continuously learning Torah. We know that when you make a bracha on a mitzvah, any mitzvah, whatever the mitzvah may be, if you cease doing the mitzvah, you stop doing the mitzvah, you take your mind off it, hesachadash, you take your mindfulness off of it, then what happens? You need to make a new bracha once you resume, once you go back to doing the mitzvah. So how is it in regards to learning Torah? So the Alter Rebbe says that when one, when it comes to the learning of Torah, since a person is obligated to learn Torah all day, especially a person whose mind, in his mind, he wants to learn Torah. It's just that he has no choice. He has to go take care of business. He has to go to work. He has to earn a living. But he does it in such a manner that as soon as he can, he goes right back to learning. So then says the Alter Rebbe, even if in the course of the day, he went to the bathroom. In other words, he made a hard stop, so to speak, because in the bathroom, you're not allowed to learn Torah. But still, the fact that he's obligated to learn Torah all day and all night, that it has a continuous obligation, that makes it so that there is no hesachadas, there's no removal of mindfulness, and therefore the bracha carries over throughout the entire day. That's according to one opinion that explains why it's enough to make the bracha once a day and that carries over and, I'm sorry, that covers all the learning of Torah throughout the day, regardless of how many uh, intervals there were in between one learning and the other learning. However, there is a second opinion that al brings, and that is the prevailing opinion, which says that has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the fact that just like all the other birchoy sashachar, all the other morning blessings, the Chachamim established them to be said once a day, to thank Hashem for all those things, and that covers for the whole day. Okay, fine. But the bottom line is, what do we see here? The Altarebbe makes a point that even when someone's in the bathroom, even when someone's bathing, meaning someone cannot, in under no circumstances, actively study Torah at the time, still that is not considered an interruption in one's, you know, bracha that one made on the learning of Torah, even though they cannot actively learn Torah at that moment. So the question the Rebbe asks, one second, we know that when it comes to the tefillin, that's also something where you make a bracha once, and the bracha is supposed to carry over so long that you wear the tefillin, or even if you take off the tefillin, but you have in mind to put them back on again, that bracha carries over so long that one hasn't gone to the bathroom or gone to bathe. Because when one does that, since while one's in the bathroom or one's undressed and one is bathing, one cannot be put wearing tefillin. Therefore, that act of being in the bathroom interrupts, stops the bracha. And if one should go back and put on tefillin, one needs to make a new bracha. Why the difference, asked the Rebbe. Why the difference? <clears throat> and by the way, even according to the second opinion that says that we only make the bracha once, he doesn't say that it's not a hefsek. He just says that regardless of the fact if it's an interruption or not, the Chachamim only established the bracha on the Torah to be said once a day. Okay? So the question is, why the difference? They seem to be both the same. You're not allowed to learn Torah in the bathroom. You're not allowed to wear tefillin in the bathroom. 
So why, when it comes to learning Torah, we say that the learning of Torah, so to speak, technically carries over, and therefore the blessing carries over. And when it comes, however, to tefillin, it gets interrupted because you couldn't have been wearing tefillin then. So therefore, your mindfulness is not considered a mindfulness, and therefore it has been interrupted, it's been stopped, and the bracha no longer counts. So the Rebbe says, in order to understand this matter better, we need to examine a little closer what is this idea of hesichadas, of losing your mindfulness, of removing your, your, your mindfulness when it comes to tefillin. So if you look at the Alter Rebbe's words, the Alter Rebbe says that when one wears tefillin, you're not allowed to remove your mindfulness from the tefillin. And he tells us, where do we know it from? This is a kalvachimer from the tzitz. What, what, what does it have to do with the tzitz? The Kayin Gadol wore a tzitz, a, a, a forehead, on his forehead. He had this special plate that had the words Kodesh Lashem on it. So the Chachamim made a kalvachimer. If on that plate that has only one mention of Hashem's name, Yudke Vavke, and we know that the Kayin was not allowed to remove his mindfulness from it. He had to be mindful of it all the time. He had to continuously think about it. Otherwise, it would be a problem or it wouldn't serve as an atonement as it's supposed to, as it's meant to. Likewise, the Tefillin, which has so many mentions of Hashem's name, correct? It's even in the Shema itself, right in the first Pasuk, you have more than, you have twice already Hashem's name, right? Yudke Vavke. So how much more so that one has to be mindful of it all the time? But then the Alter Rebbe says, being mindful of it doesn't mean that you can't think about anything. I mean, the fact is, we've been to shul. You see sometimes a person answers the phone even maybe while with wearing tefillin. Or in the good old days when people wore tefillin all day, they had their mindfulness on the tefillin, but they still engaged maybe even in mundane things. Not negative things, but they still were busy with their business. They signed papers. They looked over contracts and did things like that. They weren't just learning data all the time. So how come? I'm sorry, we'll get into it in a moment. Why is that okay? But the Alter Rebbe says that what is considered lack of mindfulness, what is considered a hesach hadas, if one engages in schoik vekalus roish, Schoik is like laughing, laughter, and lightheadedness. That means somebody totally removes their mind from uh, being engaged in, in mindfulness of the tefillin. Then that's considered, you know, lack of mindfulness. That interrupts the blessing. But anything else, even if one is busy with their own asokim, with their own business, as long as they're still in a mode of yira, a mode of fear of Hashem, that's fine. Of course, the Rebbe concludes that it's mitzvah ben amuvchar. Of course, the ideal performance of the mitzvah is that one should never remove their, their, their mindfulness and the tefillin even for one mon- moment. Okay? So that's the question. Why is it that only if somebody is engaged in laughter and, 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 and lightheadedness is that cancel out the mindfulness? Doesn't Al-Tarebbe himself say that you're not allowed to remove your mindfulness from tefillin even for one moment? So what is the difference between one being engaged in laughter versus one being engaged in their own business. In order to understand it, the Rebbe says, we need to look at the putting on the mitzvah of wearing tefillin. You can break it down into two aspects. There is the actual putting on. In fact, the bracha we make is lahoniach tefillin. 
Hanochas tefillin, placing the tefillin. The tefillin has to be placed, okay, not only placed, but it has to be it has to be tied on one's flesh. When you put on the tefillin, you make the bracha, right? Then there's another aspect of tefillin, which is the kavana of tefillin. And according to Al-Tareb, if you don't have the proper kavana, the proper intent, it's actually questionable if you fully performed or at all performed the mitzvah of putting on tefillin. What is that? What is the kavana? The shabed esalev esamoyach to subjugate or to subject your one's mind and heart to Hashem. That with the putting on the tefillin that you bind it on your hand opposite your heart and on your head over the brain, that you're subjugating, you're, 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 you're subjecting your mind exclusively to Hashem. Now what happens if one's mind is not fully engaged of thinking of the tefillin? Are the tefillin still on his hand? Are the tefillin still on his head? In other words, is the Hanochas tefillin now compromised? The answer is no. The Hanochas tefillin is not compromised. When one takes off the tefillin, then the Hanocha, meaning the placement of the tefillin on his flesh, was compromised. Why? It was interrupted. If one has in mind to go and put them on again, as he's taking them off, so we say that it's not fully interrupted, it's not fully compromised. Why? Because he's going to put, he put it on before, he's taking it off temporarily, and it's going to continue. So it's almost, it's as if it bridges over, it carries over to the next time he puts it on. But when was that help? When does that work? That's only if during that time, he is not in a situation that totally and absolutely compromises the putting on of the tefillin. Meaning, if he went to the bathroom, then he wouldn't have been able to wear the tefillin. In other words, being in the bathroom creates another reality. It stops the reality of before, the reality of him having put on tefillin, and it begins a new reality. Because in that time, he cannot be wearing tefillin. Okay? Whereas, if he didn't go to the bathroom, even though he's engaged in other things, the putting on of the tefillin has not been fully interrupted. Okay? But, since another important, no less important aspect of putting on the tefillin is not just the physical placement of the tefillin, but also the subjecting of your mind to Hashem. So therefore, if you do not fully or absolutely compromise that subjection of the mind to Hashem, which would be the case if you are engaged in laughter or in joking or in lightheadedness, where your mind has totally no whatsoever fear or awe or even thought of Hashem in any way, then, although the tefillin are physically on you, but you have now totally compromised, totally, um, uh, to totally erased, so to speak, that shibud hamoyach, that subjection of the mind and the heart, which is a requirement, which is an absolute aspect of the putting on a tefillin. <clears throat> which means as follows. Let's understand it. When one puts on the tefillin, one has that in mind. We do find by other mitzvahs, which require kavana. Let's say, for example, when one writes a Sefer Torah, one has to have in Kavana that is being written, L'Shem Kedusha Sefer Torah. Now, what happens 
every second the cipher thinks that the cipher can't think of anything he can't think of what time it is he hears something for a moment i, I don't know someone screamed someone said something that's it the that that letter in the in the in the Torah has to be erased and that letter now has to be rewritten the answer is no as long as when he started when he set out to write the Torah he said his mind and he said, this is going to be done. Whatever I'm going to do now is Lishem Kedusha Sefer Torah. That is enough. Of course, it's better that during the course of time, he keeps on repeating it, he keeps on reminding himself. But as long as you do it at the beginning, it's valid. The same thing here in Tefillin. This idea of subjecting your mind to Hashem, of committing your mind to Hashem and your heart through the putting on a Tefillin, through the Hanachas Tefillin, you do it in the beginning. And so long that you didn't cancel it out, you didn't make like a hard break in that. Through what? Through total mindlessness, like laughing or joking or things that take your mind totally away from feeling. Then even if you were engaged in small little things like your own business, answering the phone or things like that, it's not considered like you totally and fully interrupted that, um, that um, you know, mindfulness that you were supposed to have. And that's why it counts. That's why it counts so long that you didn't have schoik and kalosoyish. But if you went to the bathroom, where now the hanocha, the putting on of tefillin has been fully and absolutely interrupted, then you have to make another bracha. Now, there's a very interesting thing. When it comes to the bracha in the morning we make on the Torah, and this will help us better understand the difference of the bracha of the Torah to the putting on of tefillin, and how and when it carries over. You see, when it comes to the bracha, the Torah in the morning, the Al-Tarebbe says it presents a very interesting thing. What happens if one made the bracha and didn't immediately say words of Torah? We immediately say words of Torah. It's in the Siddur. That's why we say Yevarechecha. We say from Torah Shemiksav. We say from Torah Shemalpeh. We say Ludvarim. This way we've covered the fulfillment of the mitzvah right after having said the bracha about it. So there's no issue. But what happens if somebody, someone made an interruption? Is the bracha still valid? Or does he have to make a bracha over again? So the Al-Tarebbe brings an opinion that says, since a person is obligated all the time without interruption to learn Torah, meaning every second of the day is a continuous ob- obligation from the second before, from the second before, from the second before that. Therefore, even though he didn't do it right away, the bracha is still valid. You see, by a regular mitzvah, when you make a bracha, that means you now obligated yourself, you now connected yourself to the mitzvah. But if you don't do it right away within a reasonable amount of time, and, and, and let alone that if you go and you do something else, what you've done now is you have taken that, so to speak, that mode of obligation and canceled it. That's why when you come to do that mitzvah later on, you're going to have to make a new bracha because you made a hafzik. But when it comes to learning Torah, since you have a continuous obligation, therefore, therefore, even if you made a half sick, it's, it's not a problem. Then he brings another opinion that says, no, that it is a problem. You should never make an interruption. al says it's best to follow that rule. But what you see is according to both opinions, whether we are strict about not making any whatsoever interruption or whether it's okay to make a little interruption within the bracha on the Torah and the learning of Torah itself, but it's obvious as they both agree that the idea of learning Torah, the chiyuv of learning Torah, the obligation is a continuous one, a non-stop 
every second of the day continuous obligation that one has to learn the Torah. And therefore, even when one's not learning Torah, one is connected to the mitzvah of learning Torah. One is actively connected to the mitzvah of Torah. When he goes into the bathroom, when he goes into the bath to, to, to bathe, and now he's not allowed to learn Torah, it's not shot. It's not categorized as the mitzvah, as the obligation of learning Torah having, having, you know, canceled out or having come to a hard stop. No, it's just that there's a technical problem with him not being able to actively fulfill his obligation. In other words, it's almost, if I have to, in a sense, and I'm not trying to oversimplify it, but your car is running. What is the difference between shutting off the engine or the engine is running, but you're not driving? You didn't throw it in drive. It's just a technical thing. Everything is ready to go, which is a technical thing. But you didn't stop. The car is still running. And there's laws that apply. I don't know, in New York, if you have to wear your seatbelt or whatever it may be. It didn't stop. That is the difference. By fill-in, if you had total mindlessness, or you took it off and then you went to the bathroom, the mitzvah stopped. Why? Because you don't have an obligation to wear to wear tefillin every second. You, so to speak, create that continuation of the mitzvah of tefillin. But if you should so do and stop it, whatever way, then it stopped. And if you want to start again, you got to make a new bracha. But when it comes to the mitzvah of Torah, you have an obligation every single second. That, that, that obligation didn't stop. It's only a technical thing that's not allowing you to, so to speak, put it in drive and act on it. Good. But that didn't stop the mitzvah. And therefore, the bracha continues and carries over throughout the entire day. This will help us understand why the Alter Rebbe was forced to tell us that the women, their obligation of learning Torah, meaning the fact that they have to know their mitzvahs and they have to know how to observe their mitzvahs, therefore makes them obligated to learn Torah and therefore they make a bracha once a day like men do in Birchas HaShachar. What does that have to do with anything? Absolutely does. You see, because if the woman was not obligated to learn Torah to know her mitzvahs, then she would not have had a continuous obligation, a constant continuous obligation of learning Torah. Then we would have been able to make the argument that whenever she learns Torah, she should make a bracha because it's always a new thing. She's starting, so to speak, a new mitzvah, a new entity. This is a new phenomena. She's learning Torah now. But now that the Alter Rebbe establishes that the woman is obligated to learn Torah because of her of the mitzvahs that she has to do, so she has to know what to do and how to do it, then those that obligation of the mitzvah she has to do is a continuous obligation. And therefore, her learning of Torah is a continuous obligation, which never stops. If it never stops, just like men, one time a day the brach is enough, and it carries on to the whole day, until such time that you make a hard stop. That hard stop is that you went to sleep, that does cancel out the bracha because the next day you're like a new person. You're just like you make birchas hashachar again, just like you make the morning blessings. You're going to make also the bracha on the Torah, and this helps us understand and actually sheds a lot of light. And that sicha which we already learned in in Parshas Akiv. So to sum it up, the Altarebbe introduced this idea of the women being obligated in learning Torah because of their mitzvahs in order to highlight. 
to point to explain to us why a woman's obligation and birchas and why that the birchas is done only once a day is exactly like men do. Because just like men have a continuous obligation to learn Torah all day, and it never stops, different than tefillin, it never stops. Even in such time that you cannot learn Torah, likewise women have a continuous obligation throughout the entire day, which never stops until you go to sleep for the night.